What's going on everybody, it's your boy Fab, Freddy Fox, America's big brother, and we back with another episode of the Saturday Night Sit Down. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Fab Freddy Fox, America's Big Brother, and we back with another episode of Saturday Night Sit Down. And today, I got the pleasure of sitting down with Joel. Girl, yeah. What's yes, going yes, on, yes. sir? What's going on? How you doing, my it man? It feels good to be back. I can say that. That's it feels awesome, good to be awesome. Back. I'm glad to have you here, man. Yeah. So how's everything going on with you? Everything is great, man. Everything is great. A humbling experience. I love everything that's happening right now. God is amazing. That's beautifully said, man. And, and and just just to get a little people background, man. Um, I came across you across like a, a post, right? Um, and it was I guess now now we all know a quote from from my boy Carl here at the uh, at the Royal Communication Studio, my man Carl. But um, I was watching your interview, right? And um, you stated was the most expensive place in the world is the cemetery because people die with million dollar dreams every mm-hmm. day. I heard that quote from my boy Carl. I was taking a class with him previously stated and um since that day i think that quote changed my life oh yeah yeah that quote and he gave us a little story about a friend of his and i still never forgot that story and i said you know what anything that i think of i'm just gonna bring it to life and this is what what about that so what was the story if you don't mind sharing with us man um i believe it was a friend of his who was thinking about like a marvel marvel type of um comic thing that he had going on and he always talked about it and always talked about it and um, he passed away, mm. when I remember. And, um, and from what Carl was telling us, he felt like if his friend had a chance to really share that with the world or put that out there, he thinks that it would have it taken his life to the next level. But unfortunately, he didn't get a chance to do it. Mm. So I don't really know the gist okay, of the story, okay. but from what I remember, that's what I got from it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take that story, and I want it to motivate me in ways that I've never been motivated before, and it has. No, definitely, man. And just hearing that myself, too, man, and I heard that, and I was like, wow. Like, cause I, and I'm sure we all do that, man. We all have different thoughts and ideas and things we want to do or could have or what have and stuff like sure. that and just imagine them, and then we just leave it there. Yeah, as, when we as have time, yeah, or when yeah. I get paid, or oh, I'll try this, or I want to talk to this person, or I might not be able to. I'm too old. I'm too young. So we throw all these excuses at ourselves. And all, and essentially, once we stop making excuses and we actually start to create, we you will create. Listen, man, I, I was reading. Um, well, again, I always say read it, but I, li- I'm, I'm, I don't like to read, but I do audio books, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's called the Mindset Makeover, right? Uh, and they were just talking about how uh, it says the human potential uh, is unknown. Uh, but we don't really know our true potential until we really try. Something along those gist, and it got me thinking too because. Um, and what I've been saying lately is that we are only bound to the boundaries we create in our own mind. Right, right. And, and anything right. that you said, because the thing you think about it, people once said that we're, we're never going to fly. We're never going to be to the moon. We're not going to see the ocean. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. But it just takes that one person to do it. To actually try it. And, yeah. Yeah, and in the book it says, which was also another powerful quote for that, that it said was, um, if anyone can do it, anyone can do it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And I was like, wow. You know, that really got me thinking, too, because it it, it only takes that one person to start the flame. You know what I mean? Like, everybody everybody says it's impossible until they actually see it done. And then they want to go out and see that because now they know there's a new limitation or there's there's that, that boundary has been pushed or that sand has been erased and another one's been created. Right, right, right. You know, so so that was one of the the, the, the biggest quotes that I've seen. And I've been following you um ever since then, man, and just your energy, your thank vibe, you, your, your things was going peace. on, man. Seeing everything was just... I said to him, I got to talk to this man. I got to have him on the show and I got to talk to this man because I'm sure there's a lot going on that, that he can share with us and, and really enlighten our younger generation. And that has been the whole uh, premise of my show and this whole podcast is really just, and again, as I always say, you know, I've struggled finding my way into manhood and I'm sure all of us have. You know, we all went through different trials and trying to figure Self out and all these well, things, absolutely. trying to understand that. Um, and when I had my son, and as I was telling you before the show, it, it's very different because, you know, teaching my daughter what to look for in a man is different than teaching my son how to be a man, mm. you know? And, and that's why, like, seeing these things with the, with you guys and sitting down with these different men, different people and stuff like that to help 
better myself too because I'm sure that there's been experiences and things that you've gone through that I will never go through in my life or may right. have not witnessed that I could use to help motivate me and help me grow. Um, so as I sit to everybody down, sitting down in their seat, and my very first question to you is, for you, what do you think are some of the main qualities or characteristics it takes to be a good man or a good person? So as a man, I'm big on respect. Mm-hmm. But when we think of respect coming from a man, we always think like you got to respect the ladies and you have to respect take care of the children and respect the ladies. But I think we have to start respecting one another more, like as men. Uh, like, yes. Like, you know, we're always living in the ego, so mm-hmm. we're always competing with each other. But but then it turns into some, there's a thin line between competition and disrespect sometimes, you know? Absolutely. Like, so a lot of times, you know, when the when the male ego kicks in, then we start going back and forth. So I always say um, there's a rapper, um, one of my favorite rappers is Styles P, and mm-hmm. his first album was called Gangster and a Gentleman. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I learned how to be a man from is you don't always have to be a gangster. Right. You know what I mean? Sometimes you could approach somebody as a gentleman, even a man. You, could, you can approach a man and be a gentleman. And ever, I, you never really have to resort to showing you're gangster if you're always a gentleman. So I'm big on that. I'm big on always trying to um, maintain character, building character, and, and showing other men what it really means to be a man. And I don't have to fight you, brother, right. to show that I'm right. To show that, you know, to show anything. I don't really have to fight you. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and that's big that you say that is that, and I think that's that's really huge in people that look like us. Right, you know what I mean? Right, like, there's always, right, right. and, and it's, it's like joking to do the team light skin, team dark yeah, skin, yeah. or this dude from over there, whatever. Always finding something to try to c- compete with each other. Like, you always say that, like, you run into another man, and the first thing that you try to do is just size each other up. For what? Yeah, you know I'm saying you're just another person. You know what I mean? Like we're we're cool. It got nothing to do with me trying to be better. You, I don't want what's on your plate, and vice versa. You know what I mean? So we got to be able to to tone that down. And everybody talks about living that, like you said, the thug life or that gangster life and stuff. And um, one of my biggest inspiration right now, one of my favorite person right now, is Mr. Jason Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know who he is. No. So um, the big thing that really broke out a couple years, ago, I'm probably sure you've seen this, was he was um he teaches uh, martial arts, right? Mm-hmm. And um, one of these things, he's teaching one of these young men how to um, this move and stuff, and the kid starts to cry. Right. And he looked at him and said, it's okay to cry. Just go ahead and yeah, cry. And, yeah, I was, yeah, and, yeah. and it took me off guard because I'm like, we're not supposed to cry. We ain't Absolutely. supposed to show no more. Man up. You know what I'm saying? Man up. And, um, and ever since then, it really took uh, – because that's how I felt myself too. Like I wanted to be okay to cry. Like I was raised a lot from my mom, so I know that I'm very – if you want to stay in touch with my feminine side or very an emotional person and stuff like that, that's how I grew up. You know what I mean? So it was really hard for me to kind of uh, uh, bury my emotions in, in this, you know, man, man, man world, you know, to do that stuff. So right, right. one of the things that he said recently, because he has a new book called, because I read his first book, which was amazing. It's called Cry Like a Man. And that book really inspired me too, to kind of move forward with my podcast and all these things to let me know that I was doing a really good thing. So his first book was called Cry Like a Man. And he just released his second book. Um, it's called Battle Cry. And he was doing a promotion about that, and he was like, you know, and he was talking about that. You know, we're always trying to be thugs and try to be thug this and thug that until I was really able to break that down into an acronym. Right. Um, And it says, and his acronym is, a thug is really a traumatized human unable to grieve. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, wow, you know, because that's what it is. You know, we, we don't want to... Show any it's sign of weakness. There's a way you have to express yourself. Right, right. And, and 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 that's the thing. It's okay to be emotional sometimes. That doesn't make you a weak person. I think that makes you even stronger, you know what I mean, willing to show your vulnerabilities. Um, but that doesn't make you less of a man, you know, and that's kind of what I want people to understand and really to to instill that in a younger generation because we're, they're, they're getting lost in all this. you got to be macho because so many young kids are lost to gun violence over senseless stuff. Right, right. You know what I mean? Or, or all these gang-related things or all these stuff trying to, you know, break down their brother yeah. for what? You know what I mean? Because it's supposed to put a little notch in your belt. It's supposed to make you a better man than the next person. No, no. Help that person up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That makes what makes you a better man. Absolutely. When you're able to lift somebody up to different, that, that's what makes you a man how I see you. Yes. You know what I mean? So I think that's really cool. You touched about that, about respect and, 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 and talking about that when it comes to men. Um, and for you as well, I think part of being a good man or a good person really has to come when it, uh, with, with really good, strong morals. You know, it's very important to have key morals. So for you, what are some of your most important morals or morals that you live by on a day-to-day basis? On a day-to-day, so um, I'm big on, so I got something I focus on, um, feelings versus principles, Mm. right? So whenever I'm approached with a situation or an altercation, I can say, um, 
I try to put my feeling. I try to first. I try to take a step back. I try not to speak while I'm knee deep in my feelings, and I try to literally. I, I, it might take twenty four hours. I might not respond to you. Yeah. And it's me digging deep within myself. Mm. Everything that I've learned since I was a kid. How would my mom want me to deal with this? Based off what she's taught me, my dad. Based off what he's taught me, teachers, um, coaches. Everything that I learned. How how should I deal with this situation? And when you take that step back and you try to dig deep and find those principles and less of the feelings, you make better decisions, in my opinion. That's what I focus on when making certain decisions. No, absolutely. And and, and I'm I'm just like really kind of smiling and looking at that because that's something that I live by with myself. What I hold true is, is I don't like to deal with situations when I'm extremely emotional about yes, stuff. Yes. When I'm feeling all some sort of way because... It's not, I guess, my way of logical thinking, and yeah, I say that to my wife a lot of times too. Because there's times like, like, um, which I've been working on with 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 my wife. Because a lot of times in the past, um, when something bothers me or something goes on with us or whatever, I shut down mm-hmm. and I lock everything out because I'm really dealing with my emotions and trying to make sense out of things and and, and not letting, you know, what my feelings create these scenarios or or or. Um, uh, jump to conclusions on what the other person is feeling. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right, like right, you right. may do something and then I take it as like, oh, you're being disrespectful to me and you're trying to hurt my fan. And that's not what that was, but I'm just so deep and really just unraveling myself that I'm creating all these problems for no reason. So I've been working on explaining like, you know what? Hey, this, this happened and, I, and I'm kind of going through my feelings right now mm-hmm. um, because I know that if I don't say anything, that's even worse because then I'm making her imagination run wild. Like, what is he thinking right, and what's right, going right, on? Right, and then right. that's now two of us are yeah. dealing with this toxic situation for what? When it's just a lot better for me to say, hey, you know what? I'm just in my feelings right now. I just need a moment to kind of understand and really make sense of what's going on. Um, because if, 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 you, if you're not in control of your feelings, you're not in control of yourself. No. And you can't control the situation that you're right, currently in. Right, right. So one of my biggest things that that I try to that I've been teaching my daughter, and I tell her every day, like she came home one day and she's like, "Oh, so and so didn't want to be my friend," and she was, I mean, in tears, mm-hmm. picking up from school. And as it's the last thing you want to do is go pick up your daughter from somewhere, and she's like bawling her yeah, eyes out. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. "Baby, what happened? So and so said they didn't want to be my friend." I said, "That's why you upset, baby. Like that's why you sad." I said, "Number one, don't let anybody control your feelings." You control your feelings. You decide if you're happy. You decide if you're sad, you're angry, upset. Let that be your decision. Don't let anybody else make that decision for you because then they control you. They own you. And nobody owns you. You know what I mean? And then secondly, you know, you're a wonderful person just because one person don't like you. And in this world, it doesn't matter, you know, what you do and who you are. Somebody's not going to like you. For whatever reason, you know what I mean? Exactly. And that's what I tell her. She's a, she's a, she's a beautiful soul. Um, and that very same day I I took her up and I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. So we went out, I took her off ice cream and just ran to people. I said, go up to random people, just ask them to be your friend. Right. And she said, okay, she did that. So we go into the ice cream place and she said this, can you be my friend? And I was like, yeah, sure. And she met a whole these different people and stuff like that and all this. And then we sat down and ate ice cream and I said, baby, now you got 21 friends versus that one person who didn't want you. Don't sweat it. You know? So, so that, that is just something that really, that I try to teach her and instill her. And I know you have uh, three kids of your very own, right? Yes, sir. Um, so for you, what are some of the things that you feel is very important or you're trying to teach them that they go and carry on? Like what's very teach important them. for you to teach yes. them? Um, financial freedom. Mm. Go on, my brother. Watching the way my parents worked. Hmm. Two, three jobs. They, they took care of me. Right. But it was hard for them to raise me. Yes. So yes. when I say took care, like financially. Absolutely. Yeah, but yeah. in order for them to provide, they weren't around. They had to be at work. So what's big for me right now is letting my kids see me more and, and to see me be able to provide. So, yeah, daddy doesn't have to go work double or two, three jobs, and you, don't, you only see him once a week, and um, you, know, you, don't, you barely see him, whereas... Daddy is making time and money for you at the same time. Yeah. So also what I'm also big on is I also don't want them to work for anybody. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to work for anybody. Um, If they do have to work, I want it to be a stepping stone on the job training to get to where they want to be. For example, if you choose to work at Burger King, 
why are you not opening up your own food truck? And I can, daddy can help you. So I understand you want to do, this is what you want to do right now, but let's, let's start thinking forward. So this is training. This is not your life. And I want to, and I'm big on that. I'm big on that. And I want them to be able to focus on school. My daughter wants to be a doctor. I want her to open up her own practice. I don't want her Absolutely. to work for anybody. My son wants to be a lawyer. I don't want him to be, I don't want him to work at somebody else's law firm. I want him to start his own law firm. You know what I mean? And essentially he might have a few other friends that are lawyers as well. And they put together and they have their law firm together. Granted. Um, so it's ultimately, I just don't want them working for anybody. I want them to be able to grow and also have their families and have their kids and be there for them. And, you know, I want them to learn as they grow, learn, 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 do more, multiple streams of income. Mm -hmm. So you were able to master this. Now you have a little time on your hands. Do something else. Do something else. Where a lot of times we have one job and we realize that's not enough, so we'll go find another job. But I tell them now, it's, for me, it's more of income, streams of income. It's not necessarily finding a job and fi filling out applications and getting turned down. You know, try something. Maybe It might be an investment. It might not work. The same way we fill out applications, go on interview after interview, and it doesn't work, we could do the same thing and invest in something. It might not work. That doesn't mean to stop. Right, invest right. in something else. Try something else. Try something else. So financial freedom and creating generational wealth so that maybe I might do something today that my great, 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 great grandkids might benefit from. And hopefully my kids will pass down what I'm trying to teach them to the next generation. And by four generations in after me, hopefully we can create some generational wealth. I could probably see it before. Oh, no, you definitely, you know, will. before I, mean, I leave move, this man, earth. Where you move it. And, 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 um, and, and forgive me for asking, but um, are you, you first generation here? I am. My mother came here to have me. She got pregnant in Haiti. So I was the first, gen like, I'm the youngest of six siblings, and I was the first born here. You know, and, and, and as you're telling your story, I immediately knew that because, and I know that same thing for my parents. My parents were born in Puerto Rico, and, that's all they really know is how to work hard. Right, right. You know what I mean? I mean, from those countries and stuff like that, it's all it is is you got to work hard to make your living and do that multiple jobs and all those stuff. So seeing that, and I know the same thing with my parents. We're just multiple jobs and doing that and trying to to see, and it's up to us. Like, I, I'm... I would say, like, I guess I'm, I'm first generation as well, in a sense, because I was, I was born in Puerto Rico. However, I was brought here when I was 20 days old. You know what I mean? So I was raised here, and this is all I know. But as I was telling you the story before here, you know, when I, when my dad was, when I was trying to learn to be connected from my dad, my dad was like, no, you're going to make money with your brains, not your hands. Yeah. And that has sparked this entrepreneurial spirit in myself um, that, that is just crazy because my sister was raised in Puerto Rico more. Mm -hmm. um, she was there for like eight years or so. And again, she's hardworking and all those things and stuff. But I think I, I was blessed in that fact that I got to see so many different things and really got to dabble and learn. And, and that's one of the most important things myself is really creating that generational wealth. Right, right. You know what I'm right. saying? And that's why, like, again, you know, want to do this podcast, trying, you know, as you, you got your clothing line, I'm trying to get myself out there as well um, because I want to leave something for my kids. Yes. So I think leave for their kids and yes. going on. And as you also talked that too, and I'm going to shout them out too because I was just at an event at them designed by Lee and they had a Halloween um, outdoor movie night. And I seen um, this mother-daughter, right, and they're doing all sorts of, like, um, home um, beauty care and stuff like that, doing different screening and, and um, bath bombs and stuff. And I got some of them. They're called the K-Bella Beauty. Uh, it's K-E-B-E-L-L-A. Um, just look them up. And I'll tag them in this video, too. So I'm, I'm, I think they tagged in, actually, and they're watching. So shout out to y'all because it was a beautiful thing seeing a mother and a daughter, you know, and she's showing her how to be an entrepreneur, how to get this money and how to create these things, which was so amazing for me to see. So I wanted to shout them out. It's cool that you kind of brought that up yeah. and saying that. Um, and, and, and like you said about your parents being there working and, 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 and trying to provide for you guys and not seeing them enough. A lot of things, like I said, is a major impact on, on fathers and how they impact our lives and what they do for us and stuff. So for you, what was your relationship with your father like? Well, my father was strict. Mm -hmm. Haitian man. Um, he wants, you know, Haitian man who wants the best for his children. He's Absolutely. be strict. Um, you know, the discipline was tough. If you're Haitian, you know. So it kind of like pushed me away from him a little, a lot. But he still, get, he still provided for us. Like if I said, I remember my dad, me telling him, I, he never really smiled. That's the thing about my dad. Like you would ask him, dad, I want a PlayStation. He'll look at you like, what's your grades like? He'll say something. Like, oh, you, why don't you go wash the dishes? Like, he won't respond positively to that. And then Friday, get dressed. Get dressed? Get in the car. Let's go. 
He won't tell you where we're going. And then we pulled up, we'll pull up the Caldor on Route 59. If you're, if you're from, <laughs> yeah. this, um, if you're from Rockland County, you know what I'm talking about. We pulled up the Caldor. I'll never forget getting out the car. And I remember skipping, but he still never had the smile on his face. So that's the thing with my dad. He would, he would um, reward you when you did what you had to do, but he also didn't want you hanging out with other friends. So he did what he had to do to keep you in the house. But the tough love, I didn't really understand it until I got older. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through a situation when I was 17, and it kind of broke us apart for a few years. Um, I went to jail for the first time. Oh, wow. And um, I remember calling him my first night, calling home my first night, and I forgot my mom was on a religious retreat in Canada. And he picked up the phone, and I remember saying, I remember, like, literally my reaction when I heard his voice, hello. I said, oh, I was hoping it would be mom because my mom is closer to the phone. I don't know if my mom heard my voice. You know, my son, I'm coming right now. My dad picked up. He said, hey, what's up? Dad, uh, I'm in the gym. He's like, no, 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 no. I was just watching the news. It's on the news. It's in the paper. It's on the news. It's everywhere. You're on your own. Ooh. I was 17. He said, you're on your own. Your mom's in Canada. You know, she's coming back next week. So you know, call, call back in a week. And I remember saying, to, I remember being angry. I hung up the phone. I'm like, you know what? Forget this guy. But looking back, I'm glad he did that. I'm glad he did that. And that's the tough love that I carried on. Even now, till from raising my son, I'm real tough with him. And I tell him all the time, till this day, I say, if you get in trouble, you're on your own because I'm giving you everything you need in life. If you, get, if you mess up, you're on your own. And it's the tough love that I got from him. So the discipline was tough, but I got the love from it still. Oh, no, and, and it's... And I think that's also like a, the the island thing because my dad is is never really showed any emotion. I think yeah. that goes on like how we said too about you know just learning to to um, bury our feelings and really not deal with with different emotions or let people sh- see if we're happy, sad, or whatever. We're just just our, our gotta guard our guard our feelings. Um, and I will never forget, man. I, I um so uh, my dad's dad passed away. and He was really close to his dad. Um, and my mom was really close to her mom when they passed away. And one year for Christmas in the mall, there was this, um, this guy doing, like, oil paintings, really beautiful oil paintings. Right. So I went and I bought him. Uh, I took a picture of my grandmother and a picture of my dad's dad, right? And I bought it to the guys. Hey, can you put these guys in a picture together? I want to do a present for my parents. Um, one of my, my best friend, Mikey, uh, one of my best friends, Mikey, chipped in. He gave me some money to put in on that gift. And uh, my uncle also chipped in and stuff to get his beautiful thing. Um, and I'll never forget, I bought it home. And then I... You know, like here to hear my mom and dad are so excited. And my dad opened it up and he just started crying. And it was the first and only time I've ever seen my dad cry. Ever. Ever. And that kind of really let me see like, man, he's human too. You know, and, and yeah, he does here. care and, and you see those things because like you say that they don't really show that emotion. So you just wonder, like, do they love me? Do they like, care you, about me? Like, what's going on? Like, I don't understand. You, yeah. Like, you, person? like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, you just kind of don't understand. And, and, and you, you know, we needed to see those moments to understand that they are human and it's okay to do those things. So, um, you know, I try to express those feelings with my kids and let them know and seeing, you know, if I'm happy, I'm sad or explaining what I'm emotions going through and letting them know because I need them to learn to deal and, 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 and go through their emotions and know it's okay. Um, to do that. Um, so what would you say, like, with your relationship with your dad? Was that just a tough love? Or what was the biggest thing you've learned from your dad that you carry on now? Accountability. I hold my, I'm my I'm, now I'm my biggest critic. Mm-hmm. I'm very hard on myself. Even when people tell me I'm doing well, I'm like, mm, you could do more. Yeah, they're just being nice. They're just being supportive. Ask a stranger. Ask somebody who doesn't know you. You could do more. From where you come from, you could do more. From what you've done, you could do more. And I'm hard on myself. I'm tough on myself. I'm tough on my son. So, but I hold myself accountable, number one, and then I hold him accountable. Because I have to, I have to do what I have to do in right. order for him to see the blueprint, for him to see exactly how to be a man. So number one, I got to hold myself accountable the same way my dad always did. So that's the number one thing I got from him. No, that, that's beautiful. And accountability is key. You know, we have to own up to our mistakes and deal with them. You know, um, I think that's like the same thing saying with your mom, hoping that your mom would pick up the phone. Because a lot of times, too, is which is funny is that my mom was very strict because my mom did all the discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was also very soft on me to a certain degree, you know. So 
when you go to these things, you kind of want to run to mommy and stuff like that because you're going to kind of make it go away and not really have to deal with the full <laughs> brunt of the consequences. Yeah. Um, but your, your dad will, you know, and, and that's very, very important that we do that. And um, and I know you say you have you have a son, you have a daughter. I also, to myself, I'm blessed to have a little girl and a little boy. Um, and I find it very, very different um, in, in raising them and, and the kind of approaches that you kind of do for that. So what do you think for you has been the major differences in raising your son and your daughters? As of recently, because I'm finally now understanding what it means to be a man, mm-hmm. a man of God, a God-fearing man. Um, and I want to be able to lead not only myself, but a family, right. wife, children. And um, I want my son to know how to be a leader, right, so he can also lead his family someday. But most importantly, I want my wife, I want my daughter to look at me and, and see what a leader looks like so that when, she, when it is time for her to be a wife, she knows how to follow a man. Um, I don't want my daughter to, go, to say she's independent or she doesn't need a man. No, baby girl, you need a man. But you need the right man that can lead you the right way. So I, be, I want my son to learn how to lead, and I want my daughter to look at me and say, okay, I want my husband to one day lead me the way daddy leads. And essentially, it's two different things, but it's the same goal. It's right, trying to right. keep the black, the family together, the black family together. And and I don't want, you know, if things go left, you know, you guys shouldn't have to split, you know. As a man, you're leading, so she needs you. But you also need her because, you know, you're leading her. So you can't, you can't, there's, there's only so much you could do without your wife. So I want my son to know that. But I want him to know that starting now so he can start developing that character now. But same with my daughter. You know, you want to. You want to be more receptive to a man when it's time for you to find one. Yeah, no, and and it's great. That's how my wife too, man. I, I think I, for myself, man, just found a perfect partner in raising my kids and in life and stuff because I've learned a lot um, from my wife. My wife has taught me a lot and has really helped me grow as a man right. um, in ways that I, I know I wouldn't have been able to without her. Um, and and it's, it's important that our kids see that yeah. because it goes to to um you know one thing with my parents and, and seeing that raising up I, I know i seen them get physical seen them have like all these horrible fights and these arguments and stuff like that but they they worked it out in their own way they stuck together i mean i said this a couple of times too I, I know that there was plenty of times where my mom and my dad they would go out and have these huge fights but the next morning my dad still had a cup of coffee ready I, he still the, went to the car and he turned the on the car and everything that's the key because as the once again, if we go back to um, feelings versus principles, as a man, you got to always stand on your principles. So no matter what's going on, you still need to lead. You know, um, I'm not married right now, but the mother of my children, we you know we raise the kids together, we co-parent, but um, I still have to lead that situation. You know, because I'm not in the household, so there's certain things that I have to. Um, go above and beyond so that the kids can see that, okay, although daddy's not in the house, he still takes the lead on this. He still shows up here. He still drops us. He still does everything he would do as if he was here. And I think that's even more so to see that as well, too. I, I, there's just a lot of those times too, where you see these, these kind of um, separated parents, you know, and they inject hatred for one another into their kids is so toxic because what you're doing is training them on how they're going to treat their own women and all those things okay. and why you know i think it's it's i was very blessed um in a sense because as we talked about you know my my um it's me and my sister um, my sister's the oldest i'm the youngest and i have a brother who's uh, who's in the middle um and he has a different mom and i my entire life you know seeing that I have never seen my mom and his mom be disrespectful to each other at all. You know, they would call up and they would talk to each other. My mom, when we go to Puerto Rico, she would go to, we would go to her house and we would pick each other up. You know, they weren't the best of friends, mm-hmm. but they were extremely respectful to each other. You know what I mean? And I learned to see that all the time, you know. Um, same thing with my sister and, uh, you know, from her oldest uh, daughters, you know, she separated from, from, from their dad. Um, but at all the family events, you know, we're together, we're there, we're supportive. You know, um, just recently, um, you know, and just a, just a shout out to, to my brother-in-law, Richie. He, um, he just lost his dad um, a couple of weeks ago. But our whole family went to the funeral, to the wake. You know, my mom was there. My sister was there. The girls were there. I was there. 
you know, the longer they get, but we still family. Right. We still care about you and we love you. And, and, and it's important to see that, you know, especially for the kids that you don't have to throw hate or throw shade. You can still be a team and work together because it's my, the one thing my mom has always said to me growing up and to everybody who, who's kind of like try to criticize her about like, how are you that with the kids and how do you call him your son? I mean, he's not really your son and whatever. And she's looking down the face like, it's not his fault. He ain't choose to be here. Right, right, right. He's innocent. Yeah, yeah. What's he got to do with the situation? The kids, the kids shouldn't have to pay for that. You know, so we never, we on. never, yeah. never saw it that way. And I thought that's just so beautiful. And it is so important that, that we, we do that with our kids and just show them what it is to still be respectful. You know, I've seen a lot of these, these women talk about like, oh, you know, my son's dad got me these flowers for, for Mother's Day. Look what's in the in the trash. Like, for what? He's teaching your son how to treat you, how to be respectful. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're not together, but you're still his mother. Mm-hmm. Still, you know, I might not be together, but I gotta be respectful. Right, right, right. Yeah, because again, if I treat you like that, what's gonna stop him from treating you like that? Well, what's gonna stop another man? Well, what's gonna <laughs> you stop know what I mean? another man from treating your daughter like that? You exactly, know what I mean? exactly. She has to see it as well, so that she can know I'm not gonna go through that when I get older. You know. Yeah, no. So, so it's definitely, it's definitely a challenge to set the difference between that and especially when when you're separated and stuff. Um, but overall, when when it comes to to your kids and parenting and stuff. Um, what do you think has been the biggest challenge for you so far? Leading by example. Leading by example, I would say. Because um, I used to get into a lot of trouble. I used to get into a lot of trouble in the past. And um, a lot of times I, I say, okay, my kids are young. They're young. They don't see what I'm dealing with. They don't see what I'm going through, but um, as they get as they got older, they started to feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime I got in trouble, it was expensive with the law. Um, I currently have two DWIs, mm. and I put that out there. It's not a secret because I want people to hear it. I want my kids to hear it, and that's part, for me. That's part of parenting is telling my kids everything I've been through, the raw. The raw, the real, my son, my daughter. And that's not because my parents never did that. Mm-hmm. They never told me that. So it's like I have these battles within me, and then I come, my kids come around, and I try to. But then it's like when they leave, I'm like, oh, I hate my life. I hate, but then it's like when they come around, I'm like. So I had to, like, stop faking the funk. So the challenges were, the challenges stopped when I stopped faking the funk. I started teaching them daddy's a real person, but daddy wants to do all these new things now so that he can change his life and give you guys something to look up to. But don't think for a second that daddy's perfect. I am not perfect. I've made mistakes. My parents have never said that. My parents (laughs) have never told me any of their mistakes. If you're Haitian, you know. They probably never told you too. But they never told me anything. And I think that kind of hurt me because I never knew. Absolutely. Because it's like we come back, we come in the Haitian household and you got to be, you got to pick up your pants, take the do-rag off. It's like, oh, man, now I got to be this noob. This other person. And I, I don't want to live like that anymore. You know, even even when I was living with my lady, I did that. I wasn't, I wasn't being myself. You know, I was one person outside, and I'll come in and have to be the family guy, and then I leave, and I'm this other guy. But now, I think they can see that daddy has his personal life challenges, but he knows how to put everything together. He knows how to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And essentially what daddy's doing is he's building a legacy for himself so that that old stuff that he did can go away. So it's really just showing my kids that, you know, I know how to be a chameleon. I said this before, but it's really showing my kids that I know how to grow out of any situation. And I never would, I was never able to show them that up until like two years ago. You know, I would throw myself into a little corner and I would make excuses. If I can't provide that month, I would call their mom, make an excuse and I'll figure it out later. I'll pick up a second job those were the challenges. But now with trying to develop the financial freedom that I'm doing and working with them, um, those challenges is, is kind of lifting some weight off of my shoulders. You know what I mean? It's No, definitely, definitely. And um, it, it's, it's great that you say that because I know a lot of people, too, um, may say, like, oh, you you know, about apologizing to take care of just talking to that. And that's something that me and my wife has have committed ourselves to and you know we do that you know we're, we're, we're learning how to be parents there's yeah. no book on it there and every kid is different you know and so whatever you done and i done it's got to be different for our kids i mean the reality is our ki- 
Every kid is different. Mm-hmm. What my kid is going through, yours might. So I can tell you, hey, this is what I think you got to do to be a dad. And then you go home and your daughter tells you some deep stuff. You weren't ready. I, I never went through that. You now have to sit down and be like, baby, what's going on? And my daughter's 11. Every day I have these conversations with her. I'm not pulling out no belt. I'm not screaming at her no more. She's 11. If I start screaming at her, she's going to go confide in a social worker at school, a guidance right, counselor right. at school. And I don't want that. And I think that's the biggest challenge of being a parent is, yeah, you, you don't want to be friends with your kids, but you kind of want to open up that door. Like that, what do, what do we say at jobs? That open door policy. Yeah, whatever yeah, whatever yeah, it yeah. is. Like whatever it is, come tell me. I don't, whatever it is. Whatever you did, whatever mm-hmm. you're thinking, whatever you're feeling, tell daddy. Even if it's, if you can't tell daddy, Tell mommy. If you can't tell mommy, an aunt, an uncle, that will tell daddy or mom. Like, you know what I mean? It's cause, and you know that that aunt or that uncle will tell us. But sometimes kids just want to get things off their back. And there's nothing worse you could do to a kid than to set high standards for them. And, and, you don't want, and you're not meeting them halfway with what they're going through. Yeah. Because we yeah. set high standards for our kids. But we forget that you know, my daughter's 11. She's going through certain things right now. You know what I mean? And a lot of the standards that we set for our kids is based off what we went through or what our friends are doing with their kids or what our brother is doing with our nephew or niece. And it's like, oh, well, they got straight A's. What about you? But wait, hold on. I, got, I learn a little different. Right. Somebody right. needs to listen to that. You know, I learn different. And I think me becoming, me, um, ever since I became an educator um, five years ago, I started working in the school. And um, I understand that a lot better. Yeah, no. Because I used to drill her. I used to drill her. No, you got to know. How you not know this by now? Every other kid knows that right now. And what you're doing is you're, you're shooting them down. And I did that for many years. I did that for many years. And then I said, you know, because my parents used to do it to me. She thought, sit right there. Do this lesson. You, why you can't do that? Do, you got two minutes to do. And I'm like, I, I, I never. I'm struggling with this topic, ma. I'm struggling with this topic. And so a lot of. And it's about listening. It's about listening to your kids. Yeah, yeah you want to discipline them, but you also want to stay quiet and listen to what they're feeling. Yeah, you know, and it, it's, it's crazy that you bring that up because my, my daughter is, uh, she's five, about to be six, and she's in school, man, and, and teaching her, like, math, stuff like that, doing the homework is, 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 is a whole different challenge for me, man. And, and um, like you, you kind of want to expect them to know certain things, you don't know certain things or whatever, and... Um, I had to change my approach a little bit because I'm just getting frustrated. I'm like going over certain things and it's about like that. So you have to pay attention and listen and really focus on all the key details. Right. Mm-hmm, and I've noticed mm-hmm. a lot of times like when I'm sitting here with my daughter, we're going through things because my daughter loves attention and she loves doing those things. So we're doing these homework assignments and then she's purposely making mistakes. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, how do I do this daddy? Is this how you do it? Like, are you, and just consistently looking for validation and, I just get frustrated because I'm like, are you playing me now? Like, and I, now you was playing. I'm just starting. Then I started to realize, like, you know what? Let me let me try something else. So I walked away from her, and she's by herself, and she's banging out these questions like it's nothing. Like she's, I'm like, she's really smart. But I'm like, why are you doing that when I'm here with you, trying to teach you these things? You play these games, and then I gotta leave you alone, and you're banging these out. You know, so it's it's really trying to learn and understand you got to really be ad- adaptive and, and, and grow with the kids and really pay attention because we said every kid is different, right, you right. know? And even if, even if I follow your, the blueprint, you can give me the blueprint on the kids and I will apply it to the T for my child and it'll turn out completely and it different. it won't work for you. It won't work. And I think that's what we do a lot. We, you know, as guys or, or you know, the ladies do it when the ladies get up, the guys do it when we get up and we talk about what we're dealing with and what might work, what works for me that what might work, for, but it might not work. Right. Because my kids might be different from you, might learn different. My lady's different from your lady. My my son's different from yours. So it's like, yeah, you want to hear what I went through, but essentially you want to take take what you can take from that. But then when you sit down with your child, you want to focus on what their struggle is. Because every child has a different struggle. That's why I don't even like the whole learning disability thing. That's another topic. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm and, and well, we'll probably get on that off the air because yeah. I'm kind of doing that with my daughter too, right, and all right, these right. things, and, and and just trying to figure out what really needs to get done, but works for her. But my 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 biggest thing is is teaching her to be a good person. Right. Just just be a good At heart. person. At yeah, heart, yeah. You know, generally be a good caring person, and she is that. She is that, which I love. And everybody else was like, oh, my God, Nala's so sweet, and she's so helpful, and she's the kids. She's so courageous and trying to be, and she is an amazing, amazing person, and and and. 
I'm 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 proud on that part because like you say that like you see other kids you know and especially like on social media now you see all these kids like maybe be the same like for my son I know my son's two and stuff and I see other two year olds doing certain things I'm like why well, my kid ain't doing that or why is he not doing this or why is he that yeah we point? naturally do it I'm and, guilty and, too and it's yeah like, ah, I can't do that because I look at my son and and there's so many other things that he does that yeah. is like so unique and just himself and I'm like you know I I just for myself too, like a lot of growing up, man, I was kind of told what to do, how to be, or like seeing how the people reacted to how I am, um, made me turn off certain things or act something different than other than who I was. Right. And that caused me so much pain and trauma because you're constantly fighting against the grain. You know what I mean? You're finally, you're fighting against the currents 24 seven on who you naturally want to be when you can just go with the flow and be so much happier. Right, right. And people will grow to you and, and, and really adapt to who you are and love you for you. So that's the point. I got to teach them how to do that, you know? It's funny you say that. Um, I, work, I teach in Mount Vernon. I teach math. And there's this um, young man that I was having a conversation with about three weeks ago. And he came and had a follow-up conversation with me a few days ago. But the, con- the original conversation um, was about how um, he had gotten in trouble for doing something. And while we were having a conversation, and he was um, responding negatively to certain things. And I remember asking him. I said, do you play sports? And he said, nah, I'm not good at them. I said, you're not good at what? He said, I'm not good at basketball or football. Period. I said, I said, sports. Like, I said, is that the... He said, yeah, but most people just... Out here is really just basketball and football. I said, not necessarily. You can play this archery, this tennis. But then when I said tennis, he said, I like tennis. I said, so why don't you play it? Nobody else does. And then the conver- and I said, you should look into it. And then the conversation ended, and I made him go back to class. A few days ago, he came back. He found me. He said, hey, Mr. G, what's up? So um, my mom found a little tennis place that I can go and train indoors. I'm looking forward to it. I didn't even know. I said, look at that. I said, I hope to see you in the next U.S. Open in the near future. You know? He's like, yeah, I'm going to. I didn't know. that. And there's other kids that I know that go there. And like it's another kid from New Rochelle that the mom knows. But... The long story short is kids, like you said, you don't want to go against the grain. But then again, you don't know that there might be a whole population of kids who love tennis or who right. love baseball. And two or three days into practice, you just made a bunch of new friends. And this might be your new, you don't have to play basketball or football. That's, that's what I knew when I was growing up. And right, right. I wasn't good at, I wasn't the best at either one. But there could have been other sports that I wish I had tried tennis or baseball or other things. But, you know. We can go against the grain, and I think we should encourage our kids to try new things. Yeah, no, and like I said, this beautiful thing about like the 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 positive side of social media is that it's so easy to find people like you. Yes, yes. You know, I mean, so many different groups. Is if you just be yourself, you can find people just and that'll, that'll grow to yourself. And I'll say this time and time again: the the my, my favorite thing that my mom has always said to me was that I rather be hated for who I am than loved for who I'm not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and she's like, so I keep it real. If you like me, great. If you don't, don't. But I'm still going to be me and be happy at the end of the day. You know, so it's, it's just so, so important for kids to really be okay and learn to be okay to be themselves and just live by what they're doing. Um, and I want to go back to, because I'm t- definitely touching up on it, so we cut up here. But I know another big thing about you, like you said, creating general uh, generational wealth, you know, and what you've been doing with your brand has been amazing. You know what I mean? I've seen you on the news and all these things. And stuff. So please, just just let's talk about how this whole Guerriere started. You know what I'm saying? How this began? Well, it began a few years ago. Like, um, every, every time school started, you know, attendance, like new teacher, new student, new teacher, you, you know, you guys don't know each other. When you get to my name, they chop it up. Joel Guerriere. And then everybody in the class will start laughing. They used to call me Derriere, Garriere. I never liked my name. I always hated it. And then fast forward, I got to college, and I took this French course. And same thing, attendance. And I'm like, oh, just skip over my name, man. You're going to chop it up. And he said, Joel Gallier? I love this name. Who is that? And I'm like, that's me. <laughs> He's like, do you know what your name means? I said, no. What does it mean? I don't, I don't know. He goes, it means Warrior. My name means warrior? He said, yeah, I love this name. I'd do anything to get this name. Since that day, every time I introduce myself to somebody, I say, hey, how you doing? My name is Joel Guerrier. It's French for warrior. It's French for warrior. I got a few numbers that day. Walking around campus, like, hey, how you doing? French for warrior, French for warrior. So it worked. And um, fast forward, 
two years ago, twenty. Uh, it was always in my mind. I'm like, I gotta do something with my name. It's Warrior. My name is Warrior. I used. To, I always joke around about it. I tell my kids how to introduce themselves, but that was it. I said, I gotta do more. I gotta do more. So boom. Two years ago, you know, everybody's in quarantine. I caught COVID. I was in the house for about a month and a half by myself. Couldn't be around anybody. For once, I, I had to spend time with me and my thoughts. Literally. It was That's me, a beautiful thing sometimes. Four walls and my thoughts. I was going crazy. I deleted Instagram. I reactivated. I deleted everything. I started ordering things. I ordered every instrument you could think of. I, trying to teach myself how to do things. And I'm like, this is, I got to do something. So I'm going crazy in here. I can't eat. I can't sleep. I got to do something. So then I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe I could do something with a brand. Maybe I could start some clothes. Or... So then the first thing I came up with, it was called Lead by Example. Like, you know how you have like a book title? So I had Lead in, in bold, and then underneath it would be By Example. And, you know, that was like samples that I created. And then I said, okay, maybe I could try like, Art of War, you know, maybe in English and then French, played with that a little bit, and then Guerrier Apparel. So I said, okay, Guerrier Apparel, let's do that. So I came up with a bunch of designs, haven't used not one of them, because everybody likes the name, they like the story. So since then, for the past year, I haven't released any designs. All you get is the name. The same way Gucci will give it to you, the same way Balenciaga will give it to you, that's how I give it. I don't give too much. Simple is better. And everybody that gives mm -hmm. me feedback, they're telling me, keep it simple. Simple is better. You don't need too many images, too many colors. We like what you're doing. So I started doing it. At the time, my friends and I, we were running um, this little restaurant by my house, and that's what pushed me to the next level. So I was able to um, successfully put in a little merch shop in there, and when people would come, they'd eat, they'd get some drinks, and I'd tell them, hey, go check out some of the merch, and they'd come, and I was making at least two, three hoodie sales a night in there. So my... My kids started seeing it. I started bringing them on board. I started showing them what I'm doing, and they started responding to it positively. So I said, you know what? Let's, I need y'all. I need y'all help. So I then told my son that I want him to be the face of it because, you know, if it's me, I, I might get bored. I mean, you're younger. You could do this for the next 20 years. And, and he, you know, he said, all right. He was, he was a little skeptical, but long story short, everybody knew my name. You know, everybody in my neighborhood at least. They knew Guerrier, but they didn't know what it meant either. So when I started releasing the stuff, they're like, yo, do you have anything else? But this, this is just your name. I'm like, yeah, but it's not. If you're a warrior, this is for you. And they'd be like, oh, okay. And, you know, we started pushing, and then the news is something that took me to the next level. But the way I got on the news was a little funny. So there's this um, assistant living place that caught that caught fire across the street from my mom's house. Mm. And the fire went on for about 24 hours, I remember. It was just, they couldn't put it out. So there was news stations there the whole week. So by like the third day, like, you know, I get, every time I came home, they blocking off the street. I'm like, yo, guys, like, guys, you guys are just trying to make a story. This, you guys, guys, they cleaned up. You guys are still coming. I said, matter of fact, do you guys want to, you guys looking for a story? I could probably give you another story. And they were like, yeah, about what? I said, the quarantine hustler. See that attic up there? I created a million-dollar brand right up in that attic. If you, wanted, if you want to know more, here's my card. And I went around to each of the Channel 7, Channel 12, and I said the same thing. I gave them all cards. And then maybe about two weeks later, um, Beth Cephalou from Channel 12 News. Shout out to her, by the way. Channel 12 News called me, Hudson Valley News, and said, we want to cover your story. Me? I said, oh, okay, okay, when? She said, uh, tomorrow. I said, um, okay. She said, and uh, we want the kids, too. Okay, okay. So I called their moms, um, and I said, hey, look, uh, is there any way they could miss school tomorrow? Of course, when I said why, I was like, okay, okay, cool. So, you know, the kids came with me, and that interview right there is the one that took it to the next level because I guess it's the way I've been marketing myself. Mm. A lot of people respond positively to that. So anybody can make merch. But mark, the way you market yourself is what truly makes people notice you. And I guess you got to be unique with it. Most people would just post stuff. Just, hey, purchase, link in my bio, purchase, link in my bio. I always had like a little humorous side to me. So I figured I could 
put it to play, but I never, I always thought I was regular funny. Yo, I'll make a video and people, I only have about 1400 followers. Somebody that barely even knows you. Like, yo, I saw your video. Yo, you're hilarious. Okay. But every time I leave the house, Fab, I hear that. That's the fuel to the fire for me. So how many times did I think of quitting? Over a million times. This ain't it. I'm not making this is not this is not about money. You know, because I got mm. but I replaced going to the club, spending four, five, six, seven hundred dollars on bottles. Now I could do the same when I get paid. I could take five, six, five hundred dollars out and just buy inventory. So right, right. The kids fuel me as well. You know what I mean? My friends, they major on support. Um, the county, Rockland County. Oh, my God. If people say a lot about Rockland County. I can't talk bad about Rockland County. I cannot. There's people that don't know me in Rockland County that reach out. Yo, I love what you're doing. I want to support. I want to support. I want to support. Support is in the county. You just have to be consistent enough for people to believe in you. A lot of us, right, we right. start something and we drop the ball. People have told me, yo, what do you... What are you doing with your line? I had something, but I dropped the ball. I'm like, well, that's the problem. You dropped the ball. Somebody was probably waiting for one more week from you for them to purchase, and then you dropped the ball. So for me, I dropped the ball a few times. But when I do, people, when I when they see me in the community, they're like, yo, what happened? I need, I need more videos. Some people, most people are asking for videos. Most people are asking for marketing videos so they can laugh. If I could make, I don't have to sell you anything. If I could make you laugh. Or if I could tell you my story and you feel motivated from the things I've been through, like I said, I got two DWIs. I, it's hard for me to go to and from work. You know what I mean? You know, I got, a, rest, I got a, condi- a restricted license and all that stuff. And I need people to hear that because there's things that we go through and we're risking our lives every day. We're risking our lives. Every, I used to sell. I used to do illegal things. I, was, I used to think of hustling as selling drugs. Mm-hmm. To me, a hustler was a drug deal. Right, right. So it's like I either work I hustle. I can't hustle because I'm going to go to jail. I don't want to work. I'm tired of working. But then I found out, wait, wait, I could still keep that duffel bag. No, I could, I could still keep that duffel bag and still be a hustler. Only difference is there's no drugs in there. There's mm-hmm. a story in there. There's a story in there. You know what I mean? Yes, so sir. when I showed show this, back, when I walk around with, when I was younger, I used to have a backpack on. Everybody knew it was in the backpack. If you know, you know. Now, when you see this bag, I open it up, people respect what I'm doing now. Individually packed merchandise. If you under, if you know what I mean, you know what there I mean. There you go. You know what I mean? So you, you can figure it out however you can. I'm a hustler. So, and that's what sets me aside. Most people are just selling merch. Me, I'm still hustling. I always have a bag with me. Always have a bag. And, there's no, and with the grace of God, there's nothing illegal in there. There is... Nothing illegal in there. And, you know, I, I just pulled those out so people can see. Like, you know, you see me walking around with a bag. What's in the bag? It's merch, 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 and more merch. So the brand, I, I can't let it go. And it's like my son as well, he's playing football. So we now, like, if you know LeVar Ball, yeah, I've been watching. Um, the big baller brand. So yeah, now yeah, we're yeah. doing the big girl brand, you know. You so, so I'm, you know, I'm trying to push him in that direction too. You don't have to sell merch. You, play sport. you want to play sports? Play sports. You already have your own merch line. Mm-hmm. LeBron James, every player, every superstar player has their own logo. So you already have it, son. And that's what I tell him. And I think that's a way for me to push him more. It's not about making money. It's, not a, it's, it's really, for me, it's about selling the sto- showing the world what we're about. No, definitely, because the logo ain't nothing but a logo without a story. What is, what's the logo? You know what I mean? Like, like I said, like people market themselves and, and people buy Apple because of the story that they have behind them. You know what I'm saying? People LeBron, buy LeBron James stuff because of the story. You know what I'm saying? LeBar Ball, he created so much buzz. Like, hate him or love him, he marketed the hell out of himself right, and his boys. Right, hate right. him or love him, he made himself, he, he hustled and he showed everybody what's possible. You know what I mean? Through hard work, dedication, pushing yourself, and really testing those limits. So, you know, shout out to him and shout out to you like you're doing with your son. I mean, I've been watching the videos and how you're promoting the girl, and he's out there, you know what I'm saying, handling his business. And, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's a beautiful thing to be there, so supportive, and be there for, them, for, your, for your kids. And it's important for them to see that. Right. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's wonderful to, to get recognition, um, you know, from strangers and all those people but you know you really want those from the ones that, that you that 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 you love and you really care yes, about yes that's you know, why that's i had to really give matters. that shout out to rockland county because 
We t- like everybody that says they're from Rockland. It's like a negative thing. Like, oh, I hate Rockland. I hate Rockland. I would, I would never say such a thing. I don't care where I end up in Rockland County. The support that I've gotten from these people, it's like, it's like no other. It's like no other. Um, I, I, I don't even know what to say about that. It's like support is everything. But for me, I'm always big on like supply and demand. I've always been the type mm-hmm. of person like I don't need your support. Uh, if you want to, if you like what I have, buy it. Like, supply right, and right. demand. I don't need your support. When I started, I don't need nobody's support. But I don't, I don't think like that no more, because a lot of people, a lot of people will support you just because you're black. Mm-hmm. They don't need what you have. You know, I just want to, I just want to support your hustle. I just want to put some money in your pocket for everything that you're doing. So now I'm, I'm like, okay, all right, I get it, I get it, and. Now that I'm receiving it, it's coming in more and more and more and more. Before I was a little like, I don't need your support. If you like this hat, buy it. Right. right. If you like this, I don't, I don't need your support. But now I'm, things have changed. Things have changed. The way I look at the way I look at just the word support, I, I was looking at it negatively. Now it's more of a positive thing. Now. No, and definitely, and I know like going through creating your brand, doing all this stuff, there comes a lot of challenges. Like you said, dropping the ball a couple of times and starting them in. What do you think has been your biggest struggle, your biggest obstacle in creating this, and how did you overcome that? Value versus worth. This hat costs $25, but it's priceless because there's a story behind it. It's worth way more than 25 So if you don't get it today, maybe by in two, three years, it might be two, 300 It might. It might. Or maybe, you know, maybe 1000 in another two, three years. If I could... If I could make four sales at a thousand dollars a piece, hey, then that's that looks that's good for me. But it's the value versus worth in pricing my pricing stuff. I don't know what to price it at. I don't know what to when I first make it, I'm like, oh, I gotta sell this for like a hundred. It's like, ah oh, nah, that's too much. That's too but I go back and forth with that. Because it's the way that I, I wanna push the like I said earlier, I want most people won't wear a Gucci shirt unless it says Gucci across the chest. Most people won't wear a, a, a Fendi belt unless it says Fendi on the buckle. Like, you have to see it. So for me, I want to push the name. I want to push the story behind the name, what it's about. Like, um, you know, designer, top top brand in the world from a black man. You know what I mean? And Definitely. And that's, and I'm trying to spread the word any chance I get, every chance I get. And it's like, you know, marketing is like you want to, another challenge that I face is, Staying within character. So there's certain things I can't put out there, you know, certain things I can't say, you know, and now that I'm being watched a lot more by the younger generation students, my kids, there's a way that I have to market it. And I think the lane that I chose is great because I'm still able to push financial freedom. I'm, you know, pushing the math and, and, you know, buying and selling and calculating profit. So all these things go hand in hand with what I do, but it's really about staying on track Mm -hmm. with the mission that's at hand. You know, and not getting sidetracked because I get sidetracked really easily, and that's why essentially I end up dropping the ball. Okay, yeah, yeah. definitely, man, and, and and it's just beautiful because again, there's nothing that we we can't overcome if we don't again being persistent or being consistent in certain things. You know what I mean? Like we're always going to be able to push ourselves to accomplish anything. We just gotta have faith in ourselves, right? right. Um, and determination. You know, you have those two things, and it'll get you a very, very, it'll get you a, a go, you'll go a long way with those two things, right? Right. You know, uh, and as you mentioned, like that, bringing to the to, to the younger generation. As we winded down here, I got two last questions for you. So, um, number one, I would like to ask you is, for you, what do you think has been the best advice you've ever received so far? Fail forward. Um, anytime I failed at anything, I stopped. So I'm like, ah, this ain't for me. I'm done. I messed up, and let me figure something else out. But then I realized, okay, when you fail, go back correct your mistakes, then move on. So essentially, you're never really failing. So the way I look at life is, I could try anything. If I don't succeed, I didn't fail. Like Aaliyah said, I'll just dust myself off and try again. So that's, that's big for me. So, and I say that because of entrepreneurship. I've spent money on things that has not gotten sold. Mm-hmm. So essentially, it might be, okay, I failed. I didn't make my money back, right? But no. Sometimes I use them as giveaways, maybe like, you know, take some percentage. And essentially, money might not come in the way I wanted it to, but, you know, I'm still spreading the merch out there. Like, it's getting out. Right, it's getting right. out. It's getting out. Somebody will take a picture and and tag me, and then I'll repost it, and somebody else might say, oh, I need that. I need that. So it's all about fa- embracing your failures. You have to love failure. 
you have to embrace it. Like, put that F on your fridge and let it bother you. Let it bother you. Like, we put that A on the fridge. With that, you, know, with the, you know, when I was younger, mm-hmm. we used to put that A-plus on the fridge. But hey, you failed. You didn't get a chance to make your corrections. Hang that F up. It'll motivate you. You're going to be bothered. You're going to be tired of seeing it after a while. So fail forward. No, and that, that's definitely beautiful. And we got to learn from our mistakes. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, mistakes teach you a lot. A lot. I, I, and one of the things I always go back to, I guess a quote I think was like, where they said Thomas Edison, where, you know, he said he, he failed at making a light bulb so many different times. And he was like, yeah, you, you failed so many times. They said, no, I just found a thousand ways not to do it. Yes. You know what I mean? So you always just got to learn. And like you said, like that, just keep it forward. Like learn from your mistakes and use that as, as, as teaching points and how to learn from them yeah. so that you can move forward and, and, and do a lot better. Um, and lastly, man, my last question to you is this. Um, what is some advice or that you would like to pass on to the younger generation? Mm. My five principles to being successful. Number one, find God or a higher power. You know, um, number two, once you found your higher power, you found something that you believe in, something that you can push your faith toward, then you find yourself. Um, that's like spiritual healing. Now that's that you right. found your higher power, now you use that to find yourself. Number three, education. Whether you're going to school or not, educate yourself. Whether you, even if you can't afford to go to school, don't sit around saying I can't afford. Find the edu- with the internet right now, you can. I, t- I take classes. I took a class with my brother Carl. You know, I'm, I'm still writing that book. There's another class that I'm looking into. So there's a lot of different platforms that are willing to teach you new things that can take your life to the next level. But we're sitting here telling ourselves that. You know, I can't afford to go to school right now or financial aid won't kick in. But there's things that you can do right now that you won't need a degree for. So education is key. Any way you can get it. Number four, um, establishing your career. Now that you're educated, you know who you are, you found your higher power. Now you got to establish what you're going to do with yourself. And then number five, finding your partner. Whatever that means to you, wife, husband, you know, a life partner, a business partner. For me, what that means is a wife. And my partner, it's not just going to be all feelings and emotion for me. Like, we're going to have to build an empire together. Like, and, that's, and that's ultimately the only way I can lead a woman, honestly. I can't lead a woman working a nine-to-five, I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And I tell women that all the time. I cannot lead a woman working a nine-to-five. I have to be able to have, fine, have the freedom to hustle the way I need right. to be able to, you know, 40 hours to get... You can't cap me at 40 hours. I don't want that. I have a family to feed. I want to have more kids. And with my goals, 40 hours isn't going to cut it. Time and a half after that, two jobs, it's not going to cut it. And I don't think a woman will ever respect me working, you know, if I'm just keep working for somebody else. And essentially, how can I find a woman to lead? How can I find a woman to allow me to lead her if I'm working for somebody else? So those are the five things for me. God, myself, um, education, my career, and then once I've found all those those four, then I find my wife. A lot, a lot of us we do it the back, we do it backwards. I remember my dad told me when I was younger, "You don't need a girlfriend until you're done with college." I said, "Bro, what are you talking about?" I said, "What are you until I'm done with college? You're crazy." And this was an elementary school. He said this to me. I wish I had listened to him because we do it backwards. We, f- we find, we try to look for love, and then, and then we realize, oh, well, it's not working, we break up, and then we try to go back to school. Then we try to figure our life out, and then ultimately when you realize none of that works, then we're like, all right, let me go find a church to go to. Let me go find some spiritual healing so I can get my life together after all these failures that I've been going through. But I think if we go, if we follow those steps, then I think essentially as as you get older, mm-hmm. as you get older, by the time you're in your early 20s, you're ready to be. A, you're, you're ready. You're ready because you focus on school. You finish college early. You could be a doctor by 24, 25. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 26, 27. But that's young. Mm-hmm. That's young. You mean to tell me it's going to take you forever to find a wife? No. No. And vice versa. Same for the ladies. Right, right. Same for the It's not just the men. Same for the ladies. 
You worry about it. You do all that stuff first, and then later on, later on, you focus on finding a partner. You don't need it yet. You don't need it yet. So that's my thing. Oh, definitely, man. Well, keep, I keep the relationships. You, you could, you're going to like people. You're going to like somebody. Right, you know, right. you got classmates. I tell my daughter's 11, and I say, you got a little crush, baby? She's like, Dad. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you're going to like him. I don't want you loving my son. Don't tell no girls you love a boy. Listen, focus on school. Don't get too serious. You're 13. Nobody told me that. I was, I was in full-blown relationships in high school. I had my son at 19. I had my son at 19. Mm. So I didn't have a degree. I didn't know who I was. I didn't, have a, I didn't know what was. I didn't know nothing. But I had a baby on the way. And I think a lot of us go through that. And I think we have to start shining light on that, explaining this to the younger generation so they can realize, no, they don't have to find have to have a girlfriend right now. You don't have to have a boyfriend right now. Relax. Relax. Find you. Fix exactly. you. Figure yourself out first. And then once you you might not be dating over and over again. When you when the first person you date might be your husband or your wife. Mm-hmm. If both of you guys were doing what you had to do. Right, and you're ready and you committed, man. I appreciate that, man. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time and coming on here, man. I really appreciate you I for talking this. to us, I man. So thank you, combo. thank you so much, man. And hopefully we definitely get to do this again. Absolutely. And, um, I'll definitely be and then later on, man, I got I to gotta get you a fab shirt. I'm definitely going to give me oh, one of those yeah, girl yeah, shirts yeah, for you, man. I always, appreciate it, man. Yeah. Well, everybody, man, as I always say, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, your big brother loves you. Stay blessed, everybody. Yes, yes. Girl. Girl. <laughs>